Have you ever wondered what happens to your body during pregnancy? Well, I mean, there are the obvious things, right? Like growing a set of arms and legs inside your tummy and the miracle of childbirth. But what about the ailments, the symptoms and all the side effects? Well, before having my own children, I was pretty clueless about what my body was going to experience as well. Today, Karen and I will share our own stories from our pregnancies and talk you through some of the known and some of the not-so-known weird and wonderful things that you might be about to experience. Sit back and enjoy. You're listening to the How to Mum 101 podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Karen. And I'm Felicity. Tell me about some of the first things that you noticed about your body when you first became pregnant. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think you think about the typical pregnancy ailments, you know, around tiredness, hunger or lack of hunger and morning sickness. Yeah. But there's so many other things that come with it, isn't there? I think for me, I, I actually probably had a pretty good first trimester with both of my kids. Yep. I wasn't someone that was violently ill. Uh, I never vomited at all. I didn't even really feel like I needed to vomit with either of them. I had a little bit of nausea in that first trimester. I'd say probably maybe, you know, week six to 12. But I want to say it was quite mild. And it almost just felt like a bit of a hangover, like a, you know, foggy head. Just felt a little bit tired, a bit irritable and a bit hungry, like a greasy burger or a packet of chips would get me through. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I was all about you know, cheese on toast, potato chips, carby, starchy food. I really wanted that sort of, you know, um, savoury fix. I ate a lot of toast. And, yeah, that was really it. So I didn't really have, I guess, morning sickness, which was really fortunate. My first trimesters were pretty good. Yeah. And I definitely didn't have loss of appetite. I certainly went off certain foods. Okay. You know, smells and things like that. Oh, yes. I remember you saying you couldn't stand chicken or something. Was it chicken? Oh, most meats, really. And I actually haven't recovered from some of those. Really? Yeah. Like, I used to really love a a rare steak. Yeah. And now my husband has to cook mine a lot more. Like, I I want the pink, like, like light pink inside. Like, probably, you know, a well done. Yeah. A medium to well. And it doesn't bother me if the, the you know, the, the tenderness is a little bit gone. Mm. Like, I don't want the blood. I couldn't stand the smell of lamb. Um, and that was a real shock for us because lamb chops were a real standard on our menu. Yum. Yeah. And, yeah, just random things like that. Okay. Yeah, nothing stand out, though, to start with in the first trimester. How yeah. about you? I, uh, I had a very difficult first trimester both times um I do remember wishing that I wasn't pregnant (laughs) it was it was awful and I didn't it was morning sickness which started about six weeks pregnant for me and peaked at about eight or nine weeks both times and I didn't I don't think I actually ever vomited but the nausea was really really intense and I'm I'm the type of person that holds it in like I probably could have vomited (laughs) but i avoid that at all costs yeah and it, vomiting's not nice but sometimes it is the release that you need yeah but i just i would yeah. rather be nauseous <laughs> than vo- i can't stand vomiting what's that condition called where people get severe like the morning sickness the entire pregnancy i think one of the princesses had it it's hyperemesis grav- gravidarum Gravid- yeah that's it i can't say it properly but yeah and but- yeah you're right kate had that uh yeah I certainly didn't have that because mine wore off at about 15 
15 weeks, sort of just a little way into the, the second trimester. But yeah, along with that, my appetite, I lost my appetite completely. It's crazy, isn't it? Such a variance. Yeah. Like for me, I couldn't stop eating and for you, it was the last thing you I, wanted to I do. I couldn't eat. Yeah, I ended up losing five kilos. Wow. In the first trimester. I think I found that five kilos <laughs> in my first trimester. Yeah, it was scary actually because I was like, oh, am I, you know, am I hurting the baby or whatever? But I had enough, I had enough excess to deal with it. <laughs> And yeah, I would just, I found a few go-to foods. Like I had, I remember buying those little kids boxes of orange juice and that was one thing that I could stomach. So I would down one of those in the morning with a muesli bar and that was the only thing that I could deal with. And then at least I had something in my tummy. I um, I would sleep with a box of Jats on my bedside because if I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet, I would just like quickly smash a few of those just to make sure that I was always replenishing. The other thing that I suffered with in the first trimester was... Uh, tiredness like fatigue yeah did you have that absolutely I remember particularly with Ruby with my first in that first trimester there would be days when I would be driving home and would literally call my mum my husband anybody just to talk to them on the phone because I was thinking this is not safe but I'm kind of like in peak hour traffic and I just need to get home because I'm so tired yeah and I think as well like when you're working full-time in you know in an office job and particularly in the first trimester you're trying not to let anybody know that you're pregnant so it actually takes a fair bit of energy to put on that facade that's right yeah and so you get in the car and it's like okay I made it through another day like it's one day closer to that 12 week scan or one day closer to being able to tell people yes and so you can't let on how you're feeling but yeah I would be driving home and would literally call someone to talk to just to say keep me awake you know windows down like slapping myself in the face trying to stay awake and would just get home and just pass out yeah yeah it's tiredness like you've never known yeah same until the baby comes and they don't sleep um (laughs) yes true (laughs) like you think you're tired then um no yeah definitely definitely fatigued for sure yeah and the other thing that I had was bloating from very early on I would just find that by the end of the day my tummy was really sticking out and a few people particularly in my second pregnancy sort of called me out and said are you you pregnant because it's not that I was showing it's not that the baby was that big it was bloating bloating when it looked like I was pregnant uh, even in the first trimester I don't think I got bloating but I mean yeah I think I showed pretty quickly they just my babies seemed to just sort of pop outwards like they Mm. didn't wrap around Mm. they were out so yeah particularly in the second time like there's once the, the belly knows where it needs to go it just goes there I definitely in that second trimester my body started to really, you know, loosen up and I certainly suffered from some, some aches and pains as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, restless leg in the middle of the night. Oh. Yeah. So I would get the real, I don't know why you wouldn't get it during the day, but just, it's like your, your body's unwinding at the end of the day and I'd get that restless leg, like mm-hmm. almost like an alien leg would just have a random <laughs> kick. And particularly in the first pregnancy, I woke up really bad with like a calf cramp. Yeah. Muscle spasms and your calf would cramp. And you, your whole leg would just be locked. Oh my goodness. Dave would have to like physically force, you know, the the, the ball of my foot, okay. my toes yeah. up to try and to break it because it yeah. was so cramped. Yeah. I learnt to get onto magnesium powder pretty mm. quickly with that in the second pregnancy, but okay. in the first it wasn't something that I was didn't aware know didn't know about. Mm. So yeah, magnesium powder um, certainly helped me with with that in the second trimester, uh, the second pregnancy. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, they were pretty crazy. Uh, talking about aches and pains, I yeah. Also in the second trimester, you like you said, you loosen up. I think there's what do they call that thing? Pro- the relaxin. Yeah, relaxin. Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> but like it literally makes 
your connective tissue or something relax and your muscles start to compensate for it, I think. And, yep. uh, yeah, sore back, sore hips, everything around there. I spend a lot of time in the chiropractor's office and the, the physio. Yeah, I did the same. And pregnancy massage as well. If you, you can find, you know, um, certain places that will do a really good one to make sure that it's safe for you up until a certain point. Mm. And one thing I did as well, like right towards the end for sort of relief, was the float tanks. Oh, yeah? Have you heard of those? I remember you going there, yeah. but yeah, that sounded amazing. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept to when the first time you do it, but the relief that I got, you know, and the pressure on my back and stuff because you just become weightless. Wow. So it's almost like a deep bathtub, but it closes over. Like, you know, the old school solariums where you kind mm. of pull the – so you hop into this – you know, little bath, and then you you get the lid closed over. It's dark. There's um, no light, and they're like a salt. There's a, I don't know how much salt. Oh, okay. So make you to make you float. It's so it's quite shallow. It's not like a big deep pool. It's quite shallow, like maybe only a foot or so. But you yeah you basically just float, and you're in there for about an hour. The first time it took me a while to get comfortable and to sort of relax because I kept thinking I was gonna, you know, drown or whatever. But the baby loved it. You know, mm-hmm. she would move so much when I was in there. Wow. It was almost like you, she get, you get more space, I guess, because, you know, you're, you're supported by the water. Working um, against gravity, kind yeah. of. Yeah. So I did that a fair bit with the first pregnancy and yeah, highly recommended it for anyone, particularly towards the end when you're starting to get really uncomfortable. Mm. You just, was, was it silent in there as well? Uh, you, you can choose. You can have, like, a sound or it can be silent. Nice. I don't know if they're everywhere, but there's certainly a few of them in South Australia where we are. Yeah. I also did um, pregnancy yoga with my first pregnancy. Okay. So that took me up until about 30 weeks, I think, and that was really good, just getting different stretches and different positions to get into to get some relief. I certainly um, carried that through to the second pregnancy as well with just different stretches that would give you the relief. Nice. Were there any other painful things that you experienced during pregnancy? Yes. There were. I feel like I got, I don't know, like like I said at the beginning, there's certain things that you just seem synonymous with pregnancies People think about morning sickness, food and tiredness, but I had things that I wasn't aware of. So uh, I had really bad reflux, which I didn't know was a pregnancy symptom. And mine was was pretty full on earlier in the second one, but anything acidic like strawberries, tomato, pineapple, even coffee, chocolate, uh, to a degree, there was just certain foods that would really trigger it. Yeah. And certainly, I can't remember how far into the pregnancy is, but, you know, I want to say midway through mm. and towards the end, you know, I would be able to avoid those foods in the beginning and that would it would help. But towards the end, I had to go on um, pregnancy. Well, there's like Losec or Nexium and that, I just had to take it. If I didn't take it, even regardless of what I ate, even mm. if I just ate bread, mm. I would still have, uh, I just didn't have the room in my tummy. So yeah, the reflux both times was just absolutely horrendous. Mm. I also had carpal tunnel. Yeah. Another ailment I didn't realise was um, pregnancy-related, and that was to do with the extra fluid. Yes. So the first pregnancy, I had really bad swelling, and I ended up, I don't know if you remember, but I had to go and get my wedding rings cut off. Oh, yes, yeah. It almost happened overnight. I feel like one minute I was fine, and then my obstetrician was saying to me, oh, you know, your rings are getting a bit tight, and I was sort of complaining about them. And I had started complaining to her about the, the, the sort of slight numbness in my hands as well and through my wrists and a bit of pins and needles. Mm. And I remember her saying to me at my 34-week appointment or something like that, you're going to need to take those rings off because you're, if you get to a point where they're, you know you can't get them off, they'll just cut them off in, in theatre. 
basically, and I was really worried about that. So I yeah, I tried to get them off actually over that weekend, and it was too late. I couldn't get them off. Oh I had swollen up so much, and we tried everything. Like my my brother-in-law was googling this uh, fishing wire and oil oh, trick. No. We tried everything. I ended up just in tears, and it actually made it worse because we'd yeah. aggravated it. So I went to my jeweler yeah. and had him cut them off because the obstetrician had suggested go to the jeweler; they'll have a special. Okay. So yeah, he cut them off with like like a little mini like a little mini pizza wheel type thing. Really? Yeah, it was a, this really weird contraption, but he cut them off. <laughs> Second pregnancy, I basically took them off pretty much straight away because yeah. I wasn't going to risk it happening again. But the carpal tunnel itself, um, for me, got really intense. So bad, I was basically in tears. Like mm. I couldn't do anything. Worse at night because you're sort of dormant and, you, you know, you're not moving things around. But I tried cold water on the wrist, warm water on the wrist, stuff like that, but just didn't work. So I ended up going and getting cortisone injections in my wrists. Which is painful too, right? I had no no idea. Mm. But again, you don't know. And I thought I need relief from this. So the obstetrician had sent me off to go get that done. And when I went to go get it done, my sister-in-law came with me, who's a nurse, and she was great. She didn't say anything about what it would feel like, but I think she knew mm. that it was going to be quite painful. So she was there with me and the... The doctor, I don't know what what type of doctor it was. Is that it a radiologist been, it or? Been. Yeah, I think yeah. So. He was really quizzing me about like how bad is it and how far are you in the pregnancy and do you really want to get this done and and you know and I had said well the obstetrician told me that the carpal tunnel might not just straight away go away because the fluid retention doesn't go away. Mm. You know you've basically I think I put on twenty kilos with my first pregnancy. Yeah. So you know yeah the baby's four kilos and you've got a few other bits and pieces but it's not like you lose twenty kilos overnight no, and the fluid don't. the fluid remains. Yeah. So she said, you might still have this for another six weeks, you know, worst case scenario. So if it's that bad, go get some relief. So that was enough for me. After the first one, the first injection, I really thought about not getting the second wrist done. <laughs> it was so painful. But you've just got to remember how sore it is when you go home that I had them after pregnancy. I had a similar thing. I had decurvanes tenosynovitis, Ooh. which is kind of similar extremely painful uh and i went to go and get the cortisone injections which were extremely painful as well and they tried to convince me to just do one i was like i can't go home to that pain again and that was enough motivation to go through the quick pain again yeah you're right it is it is just in the moment i sort of explained it like a vaccine like when you get a vaccine it's just while they're you know putting it in like afterwards it wasn't too bad but yeah, it was definitely something I wasn't prepared for. It was, and the fact that I didn't really get any relief. Um, mm. So I was told that you might not get relief, oh, but this wow. is something that you can do. But I was willing to risk it. I would say I I had like maybe a five percent reduction, oh, no. and that was short lived because the fluid. I think I got them done at thirty seven or thirty eight weeks, and obviously I continued to grow Mm. and retain more fluid towards the end. So probably not something I would do again. Yeah. If, you know, if, if anyone does have that severe carpal tunnel, like really think about it if cortisone is the right thing, because it might work, but it might not. And you can get, um, I think braces. Yes. That you can put on your hand, which is probably. I had those. Oh, you had those as well. (laughs) I had those as well, but yeah. There's only a certain level of. There's only so much. Yeah. So yeah. So I think the carpal tunnel and the reflux were probably the two real shock shocks for me yeah there weren't things that I'd heard of before and I wasn't prepared for them and you know when you start getting those feelings of like the burning the reflux or the numbness in your hands you're not really sure what it is and then starts to develop into you know a bit more intense pain and it's just um it's just a real shock really yeah uh, I didn't have the reflux or the the carpal tunnel but talking about swelling I did certainly suffer from some swelling which wasn't painful but 
so uncomfortable hands as well so I had to take my wedding rings off um thankfully I didn't have to have them cut off um and yes swelling in the in the face the hands the and the feet and ankles was the worst for me and I remember flying to Tasmania or something when I was like 30 weeks pregnant and coming back and going oh my goodness I remember that I should not be flying I remember that we were like what is she doing that cabin pressure is not gonna be good (laughs) yeah it was awful yeah um but yeah my feet even in the second pregnancy I didn't fly anywhere but my feet and they're still swollen they I'm probably just prone to it but um it's Did you have any other main ailments that you can think of? Even just weight gain. Like you said, you know, you put on 20 kilos, but only a certain amount of that is is truly part of... Well, I suppose it's all part of the pregnancy, but there's only a certain amount that's related to the baby, extra fluid, the extra blood, uh, and the placenta and all that. Yeah. And the rest is cushioning, which is part of pregnancy. You need that. It is. You need that, but the appetite like you were talking about your appetite in the first trimester I only got that in the third trimester but it was an appetite like I have never ever come across before I would eat a large portion of dinner at night and finish it and feel like I hadn't even started yet and then just go and have another oh yeah man-sized helping oh yeah and then snacks and biscuits and chocolate and oh totally and I totally succumbed to it as well like I I don't know how some you know some people obviously have different experiences but I remember as well with the weight gain because the obstetrician sort of weighs you at the beginning and then at the end and you know and I was like yeah I'm pushing sort of 20 but in the beginning I had asked her like what is a normal weight gain Mm. and I think she said to me between 8 and 11 kilos would be kind of what you need to cover all those things you just mentioned yeah in terms of the actual pregnancy the baby the amniotic fluid the placenta etc i definitely ate my way through my pregnancy (laughs) that's for sure and i was pretty like pretty relaxed with what i ate as well like i know you know there's again there's lots of information but i was kind of like you know if i've got an itch i'm going to scratch it so there wasn't really much that was off limits for me if i wanted it i ate it yeah i was the same i i gave myself permission to do that particularly in the first pregnancy I was sort of trying to eat a bit healthy beforehand but then when I got pregnant I I told myself that the baby would ask for something and that I would provide <laughs> yes absolutely yeah well let's just on that sort of vein in terms of the weight gain stretch marks that's mm. another one isn't it really they can come at any time really they can start pretty early or they can not come at all and they can come in interesting spots so I actually got quite bad stretch marks with Ruby right towards the end and I was determined not to I was lathering myself up like you would not imagine mm with bio oil and rosehip oil and all the lotions and all the creams yeah at the end of the day I think I got to it's probably about 37 weeks and they just they came Mm. they were quite dark and purple but they did fade and they were okay after the pregnancy and uh, and I didn't really have that saggy skin from the first one but I also got stretch marks on my inner thighs really yeah and I actually wasn't aware they were there obviously because your inner thighs isn't a part of your body (laughs) that you see (laughs) You can see for during the pregnancy and quite some time afterwards. But yeah, I had a few couple, a few small ones on my inner thighs. Interesting. Um, and at, you know, looking back at the time, I thought I was all baby. But I obviously, you know, twenty kilos is a lot to go on. It's not yeah. just all baby. So you know, I, I obviously grew in other areas as well. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have stretch marks at all on my stomach at any point, 
and I didn't do any of that oil stuff. So I think some of it is just like the luck of the draw, really. I think so too. But I did do actually have stretch marks that still remain on my boobs. Oh, on the top of my boobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, they say as well. Like people say, you know, pregnancy or oh, breastfeeding ruins your boobs, but mm. it's the pregnancy I think that does it because mm. they get, you know, they grow with you. My, yeah, and it's hard to realize how big they are when you've got a big belly, but. They definitely, and it's not just the boobs, like, what about those massive areolas? <laughs> they get dark. Yes. They change colour. Like flying saucers. Flying saucers, dinner plates. I used to call mine dinner plates. <laughs> they got so dark and so massive. Yeah. And I read or heard somewhere that that changing colour is for the baby. To find it. To find it. Yeah, so like a target. <laughs> it's like a target, it is, so that they can actually see it because everything's obviously, you know, they don't have the full vision, but the darker colour is easy for them to differentiate. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about things changing colour, did you get a linear nigra? I don't think so. Certainly not not a noticeable one. I might have had a slight discoloration at, just at the bottom, yeah. maybe like in the last couple of weeks, but nothing noticeable. Nothing noticeable. I actually didn't even know what a linear nigra was before I was pregnant. So maybe we should just explain that. Yeah, so it's actually the, the line that some women get on their stomach. It's, it's just a random... I don't actually think it has, serves a purpose. Yeah. It's um, just a dark black line that can run all the way down your middle of your stomach vertically, right? Yeah. And some people only get it, like, from their belly button down to, I guess, you know, the, the pubic area, mm-hmm. and other people um, can get it the whole way. There are midwife... Uh, midwife... Uh, old wives' tales... Oh, yeah. ...about a linear, linear nigra might mean a certain thing in terms of the sex of the baby. Okay. But, um, yeah, mine was so dark and so thick, and it was the it was the full length of my belly, and mine took so long to fade. And it's your... Is it your... It's not the hairs that it's go not, dark. No. It's the actual pigment in the skin, It's right? the pigment in the skin. So it's a real strange thing that happens, but... Mine was, with with my first pregnancy, it was so dark and so prominent and it was there, like, six months after I had her, it was still there, wow. like, quite prominent and even up to a year, it was still visible. Mm. The second pregnancy, not so much, but, yeah, the, the amount of comment, like, I would just get it out and show people all the time because I was just so fascinated. <laughs> Party trick. Yes, like, look at this. And, yeah, a lot of people would comment that they hadn't seen such a prominent one before. Yeah. So, it's so weird. It's heaps weird. The things that happen to your body... <laughs> And what about, you know, while we're talking about weird things that happen, what about the fluids? Yeah, yeah le- leaky boobs, leaky bladder. Yeah, just fluid. It comes out of everything. And it's it's interesting as well, like, you don't realise that you could have, like, the colostrum or the leaky boobs. Like, some women's boobs actually start to leak well mm. before the baby even comes out. Yeah. Which could be, you know, quite uncomfortable or a bit awkward, but then also a blessing, potentially, because yeah. you've got milk there ready to go. Yep. And yeah, the uh, the leaky, the weak pelvic floor. Let's call it a weak pelvic floor. Okay, that's a fancy name for it. Yeah, yeah rather than you know fluids, but <laughs> the weak pelvic floor. That's just the pressure of the baby bearing mm. down, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I I think it's the weakening of the muscles. Somehow. It's that relaxing again. That would, yeah, yeah, maybe. And that's something that's really hard to recover from after pregnancy as well. It is, and actually, you know, if I could give any advice, because I definitely wasn't accustomed to doing pelvic floor exercises mm. before I had a baby. And I remember my obstetrician saying to me quite late in the piece, you know, are you doing your pelvic floor exercises? And I was a bit perplexed by that because I thought you need to do it after the baby comes out. Mm. And she said to me, well, no, because if you don't know what it feels like to activate the pelvic floor after you have the baby... It's that, really hard. It's really hard because if you don't know what it feels like when it's there, when it's damaged, it's really hard. So that made a lot of sense to me and I started doing the, some pelvic floor exercises and was very, very good at doing them afterwards as well to 
get that strength back before the second baby. Yeah. The other thing with that is your core as well. So obviously your core is um, sort of stretched out and yes. got a lot of pressure on it and it's it's holding up a whole baby. It's doing much different things to what it's normally doing. <laughs> but I've never actually asked anyone this, but when you were pregnant, mm. could you like pull your tummy in? And then suck it in? Not suck it in, but like if I activated my tummy muscles... I could sort of hold my belly up, but then I could also just relax everything. And when I did that, my whole belly would just go out. Oh, no, mine didn't really. Mine just was really hard. Like, like once it, once I started to get that prominent belly, it was just, it was just out and it was hard. I couldn't, yeah. I definitely couldn't do that. I got definitely got really bad abdominal separation, but I, which is another thing I didn't know that could happen. So there's that separation of the abs because of, you know, the, obviously the, the, the abs coming apart as the baby grows. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that, you know, you're just not prepared for, particularly if you're an active person wanting to get back into exercise. Yeah. You know, you need to be really careful. Um, get, make sure you get checked out by your physio first because if you've got an abdominal separa- separation doing certain exercises, not just stomach-related exercise like crunches and stuff, but even, you know, weight-bearing um, stuff with, you know, weights or planks or anything like that could be really detrimental. Yep. Mine was, I think my second pregnancy was like three or four centimetres wide by 10 wow. centimetres. So basically the whole the whole length of my stomach. And I still have a small separation now. Like yeah. it's really, it's really something that to take, the second pregnancy has really taken a lot, a lot longer. I have all the same ailments the second time, mm-hmm. but they were amplified because they'd been there before. Yeah. And you were kind of starting from a different starting position. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have uh, ab separation, I don't think. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I did go to a, a woman's physio after I had my first baby and she, she said that it was fine. But the whole core is just weaker and you end up with this, like, saggy... We're talking about post-pregnancy, but this, like, saggy yeah. little pouch um, that hangs there. And I think that that's... I think it's influenced by your pelvic floor strength as well, but also your core strength. And that's kind of why I mentioned the... The, the stomach the sucking the tummy in yeah. when you're pregnant like I was scared to activate those muscles when I was pregnant because I wasn't sure if I was going to be doing something bad oh to the baby yeah but now in retrospect I think I would have um I would have liked to have held it in more because it that was it's kind of natural for me to hold it in yeah but at some point I was just I just relaxed yeah in retrospect I wouldn't do that uh, because I think it would have helped to keep those muscles a bit stronger yeah. after pregnancy. Oh, God, you just don't know, do you? No. And it's, it's changing all the time. It changes every day. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to hear from a physio on what, what's the right thing to do there. Yeah, absolutely, because we certainly aren't physios. We're no. just talking to our experience. <laughs> what else? Did you have anything else that, that you know, you can think of? Hair loss, hair gain? I felt like my hair got a little... I've got very thick hair normally i felt like it got a little bit thinner but i know most women it's normally the opposite isn't isn't it they get nice full head of hair when they're pregnant and then it falls out afterwards yeah i think that's i think that's the key i think the thing is that you don't lose hair while you're pregnant and then yeah you basically comes out so it feels like you've got a thicker shinier hair Mm. i certainly didn't notice that for myself okay did you not have hair loss though after pregnancy oh yes so much yeah oh yeah chunks of it Really? Yeah. I still feel like I lose more hair now than I used to before. Okay. Even though my, you know, it's Lachlan's too, I just still feel like my hair's just... Weaker. Shedding. Yeah. Mm. Takes it out of you, that's for sure. <laughs> so another thing that I had flick was uh, having to run to the, the toilet for a wee every five minutes. Did <laughs> yes. you have that as well? 
I did. And the frustrating thing was like, you felt like you were busting and you'd get there and then it wasn't the, the amount of relief that you were expecting. Yeah. You know, it was really just a trickle. And then the minute you stand up and walk away, you feel like you need to go again. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And for me as well, like I kind of wake up during the night when I'm not pregnant to go to the toilet anyway. Mm. So fortunately I've got an ensuite because I would literally just roll like a turtle off you know, off my bed, try and get a bit of momentum towards the end, mm-hmm. roll off my bed, waddle into the toilet and then go. So frustrating when you just, then you feel like you need to go again instantly. So yeah, yeah I definitely had that. Yeah. And talking about sleeping, uh, that's pretty hard when you're pregnant as well. I had quite bad insomnia, particularly in the third trimester. Just, I, I'm not sure if it's to do with getting comfortable because as soon as you lie down and like your knees are together when mm-hmm. you're on your side you then your hips start hurting and you can't lie on your back because there's too much pressure you can't lie on your stomach yeah um totally it's just hard to get comfortable and i think that affects your your quality of sleep did you have any special pillows or sleep aids the only thing that i used that i did actually find really helpful was just a flat normal pillow in between my knees mm. and that took so much pressure off my hips yeah i had something similar it was like a body pillow but it was just a almost like a thin long like tube mm. so it wasn't the normal width of a pillow and i would actually almost like yeah cuddle that okay and like with my with my upper body and then the bottom part would be between my legs yeah and yeah i love that thing Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, so much. It was like a full length, like a person size. Yeah. Oh, actually, now that I think about it, the other thing I had to do towards the end was put another pillow under the bump. Oh, yeah. I think you get a for wedge support. for that now. As yeah. Well. Yeah, that just that falling onto the bed, the baby sort of lying on the bed yes. next to you, basically. Um, that was pretty uncomfortable. So just propping it up can be helpful. Yeah. I think the only other thing which was sort of prevalent throughout for me was just emotions. Yeah. I, I'm a pretty emotional person anyway in terms of you know a whole range of I'm quite fiery but I'm you know quite empathetic and I can get quite sad I can Mm -hmm. cry on a tv commercial anyway so being pregnant just amplified it so much for me yeah me too and just the irrational emotion (laughs) Um, our poor husbands I know I remember you know I was obviously already talked about my extreme hunger I was desperate for cheese on toast one day and I was grilling cheese on toast and I was literally standing there watching it, like watching the cheese get to the bubble point, like hurry up and cook so I can eat you. And I tried to take a piece of the grilled cheese toast. It was just the perfect amount of bubble. Like it wasn't burnt, but it was. Where is this going? Well, as I pulled it out, I dropped it and it was like, it was almost like things slowed down in that moment. And I remember slow motion. It's tragic. The cheese um, landing like cheese side down on the floor. And I started crying. Like, <laughs> Don't I just, blame you. I cried so hard. And Dave was like, it's okay, we'll make some more. And I'm like, but I wanted to eat that cheese on toast. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like on the daily. Like, I just cried over everything. So emotional. Mm. So, so emotional. Yeah. TV commercials become a lot more um, heart wrenching and, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And that carries on afterwards as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. Look, that's that's a pretty a pretty big list, and I mean, it's interesting because you know we both experience different things. So, within within our pregnancies, but it's yeah, it's the weird and wonderful things that happen that you're just not prepared for. Yeah, 
And look, a, a lot of these things um, don't want to sound like we're complaining, but it's it's not a walk in the park. And I know that both of us struggled a little bit with with having great pregnancies, although we're, we're thankful that they were healthy. Yeah. But you do get some people, a lot of people, who just love being pregnant and they may have a lot of these things, but they just don't bother them at all. So I guess it just depends on the person. And, and certainly in every pregnancy, you're, you're growing... Um, growing a beautiful baby and and when you start to feel that baby kicking and moving around it's just it's so exciting and so cool yeah absolutely and I think you know it is such a short period and for a lot of these things there are you can get relief like with my reflux Mm. you know the second pregnancy I just went straight onto the the low sec because it was safe to do so and you know the rigor mortis or you know the the rigor mortis type leg you know cramping that we would get that's what we called it but you know the leg cramping the magnesium powder so if you are experiencing any of these symptoms there there might be something that you can do to get yourself some relief you don't have to suffer um through it so um you know it's just about keeping the open dialogue with your gp or your midwife or your obstetrician or whoever your professional is and talking to them about what the options are because they've probably seen it all and then some yeah and there's a way to treat it so yeah and on that note it's uh probably also a good point to note that if there are any of these things that are really concerning you and you think there might be something that's affecting your your health please talk to your please talk to your doctor about it uh, because certain of these things you know swelling as an example to a certain extent it's normal but it could be a sign of something more more dangerous. So make sure that you're discussing all those things with your doctors. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening in again today. If you haven't already done so, why don't you hit subscribe so you get notified each week when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed today's episode, give us a rating and a review. We would be so grateful. Until next time.